This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Tactical Leader. I have the pleasure of speaking with Gabrielle Dolan, and we're going to unpack how she has just created magnetic stories for people across many industries. Before we begin, I'll remind you this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you are interested in discovering, embracing, and sharing your voice, head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you do just that and create the tactical content that delivers. Again, that's nightly.productions. Gabriel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Zach. I'm excited to be here. I am super excited because you are way on the other side of the world in Melbourne, Australia. I think we'll recognize that accent here as you speak a little bit more, but I want to give the audience just a great opportunity to know a little bit about you because you have a really fascinating background, different than a lot of folks, obviously, being on the other side of the world, but you've done some amazing work in corporate Australia where you've realized the power of storytelling is so effective in business communication. You're a sought-after international keynote speaker and educator. You've had a client list of EY, Amazon, Vodafone, the Obama Foundation. You even got to meet President Barack Obama while doing that work. You hold a master's degree in management and leadership. You've studied at Harvard. You're the best-selling author of several books. My goodness, how busy can you possibly be? Some of those books are Real Communication, which was a finalist in the Australian Business Leadership Book Awards, plus Stories for Work. You've reached number one in Australia's best-selling business books. Your latest book, which is the really exciting piece of it all, is Magnetic Stories, Connect with Customers and Engage Employees with Brand Storytelling, which debuted at number two in Australia in business books in March of 21. And you were the finalist in three categories in International Book Awards. I don't know how you do it all, but we're going to unpack it together. And the way I love starting off these conversations is outside of all that business, outside of all the busy work that you are absolutely accomplishing, tell us a fun fact that we might not know about you. Maybe it's related to all the books I've written. A fun fact is I actually failed English in my final year of school. I think I had imposter syndrome of being a writer for up until about, you know, people go, are you an author? I couldn't ever say I was an author. And it was like people, but you've written four books. I go, yeah, but, you know, and then you, you've written five books and I've, I've written seven books. And I think it took about the sixth book to say, okay, yeah, I'm an author. So what are some of the stuff I do? Yeah, that's amazing. It's kind of funny how that shifts, right? It's, did you go from a, I was not good at English. I had the nerds were doing my English papers back in college. So let's not tell anybody, but it's funny how it shifts and crafts over the years. And I'd really love to go like back to that very first leadership position. Obviously you've done some amazing work with clients, but what got you started on this path? Where was that first position where you're like, yes, this is where I'm going to go invest in myself and then shift it now into all the things you're doing with these great clients. 
Yeah, look, it, it probably started, I started my working career back in 1984, so it was, it was a fair way ago, and I actually started in technology, and IT was a pretty new industry back in the early 80s, and the reason I got into that, it's funny, Zach, when you look at the most pivotable moments in your life, it's probably when something didn't go to plan, and I had wanted to be a graphic designer, and I actually, because I didn't pass English, and I actually didn't pass a lot of I don't know what happened. The last two years of school weren't great. I just, you know, as I think is normal. Anyway, so I didn't get the marks I wanted to get in to be a graphic designer, but I'd actually studied computer science in the last couple of years. So I I became a trainee computer operator. So it got me into IT. And I actually really loved working in IT. I worked in technology for about 10 years, but I wasn't passionate about it. And I wasn't a, you know, tech geek. And, you know, again, I wasn't really great at it, but I managed to get my way through. And What I started to do towards the end of that technology career is start, there was like a volunteer job that you could look after the training for everyone on your shift. I did a lot of shift work and I love that. So I loved going, okay, so you need Excel training. So I'll go organize the Excel training and you need to spend more on the job training in this area. And, you know, I would have spreadsheets everywhere. That's another fun fact. I love storytelling and they don't believe that I love spreadsheets, but I'd have spreadsheets for everything. And and I got right into this concept of making sure people are completely developed to do their job the best they can do. And that then morphed into, then I went back to uni and I did an associate diploma in education and training. I did my MBA in management and leadership and morphed out of technology into, I guess, your typical L&D type roles. Then I moved into, and that's where I got my first leadership role as such, as in leading people. So I, I progressed that way. And then moved into some change management roles. At, this was one of Australia's largest banks and project management roles. And again, they were becoming more senior. I, w- I was there for 17 years. So progressively becoming more senior. And it was in those in those leadership roles, specifically in those senior change management roles, when you're rolling out, you know, changes that you've got to communicate to every single employee. It was in those roles I started to notice that when I shared a story, the message seemed to get through and people understood it. And then I, and that that was probably a bit of a spark for me. And I started to notice that the really good leaders were sharing stories, the really good presenters were sharing stories. And because I'd had a lot of experience in designing and delivering leadership programs, and I had a lot of experience in leadership itself. I sort of just decided, I think storytelling is a skill, like, you know, just like Excel is a skill. And I think it's a skill that people can learn and be taught. And maybe I could do that. And you're doing that. I mean, not maybe can you do that. You're obviously doing that across corporations across the world. And one big piece of that is that you really feel like you believe storytelling is the important part of communication in business. And a big piece of it is real communication. And it's all about how to be you and lead true, which Mm -hmm. obviously is one of the books that you wrote and authored. Can you tell us like, what's the impact of understanding that level of communication, understanding that storytelling aspect of communication to really be your authentic self? Yeah. So I guess going back when I said, I think I could do it. And you said you are doing it now. 17 years ago, I've been doing this for 17 years. Could you imagine storytelling is really popular at the moment, but 17 years ago, like I had people laughing at me like, what? You're doing what? Like there's no room for storytelling in business. And, and that was 
That is what people thought 17 years ago, that works, works, personal, personal, don't mix the two, don't show emotion, don't show vulnerability. And it has changed over time. It's changed significantly over the last 17 years. And so part of the aspect of me teaching people to share stories is it's sharing personal stories. Now, when I say personal stories, it's not, you know, their deepest, darkest secrets and big vulnerability stories. It's just something that didn't happen at work. But one of the things that does is it shows a leader as a true person. And this is where it gets into the authentic, like be you and lead true. That book is about, you know, communicate in a way that's real. And what I mean by real, it's genuine. You know, first, yes, it's got to be true, clearly, but it's genuine and it's who you are because that is what people connect with. And for so many years, leadership was seen as you have to be right all the time. You have to have know all the answers. You've got to have this like, you know, bulletproof armor that you come into work and you don't, you're just the leader and you don't connect with anyone. And then we realized, oh, why aren't we connect with anyone? Because we're not being real. And I have a saying that real leaders aren't perfect and perfect leaders aren't real. And I think way too many times leaders thought they had to be perfect and they had to be right. And that's just not the case. And now, and we know as humans, we actually really connect with people who we think are real and authentic. And we see through all the BS that some people still think they need to trot out as leaders. I love that you're you're crafting that message about leaders because you're, you're right. There is no such thing as a perfect leader because we all have different communication styles, different everything, leadership styles. I mean, there's so much. And it seems like every year there's a new something fancy coming out about it where I mean, it's almost as innovative as this technology where there's always more coming out about it. I would love to hear what was that original resource for you? Like for me, Dale Carnegie shifted and opened my eyes to leadership in general. Was there a resource that really got you as the catalyst to this journey? Yeah, there was, Zach. So it was probably around about 2004, 2005, And I was starting to think about this storytelling, like, is this a skill people could learn and could I teach it to corporates? And there was all this doubt in my head that like people would laugh at me, which they sort of did anyway. But I read this book by Stephen Denning and it was the leader's guide to organizational storytelling. He actually was born in Australia. He was born in Sydney, but he he lived and worked in America most of his life. And he was a senior exec at the World Bank. And so when I read that book, first of all, it made so much sense how you can share stories in business. But I thought if a senior exec at the World Bank is writing a book on this, that's credibility. And to me, that was the, I guess, the little bit of confidence and the little bit of push to say, this is important. It's professional. It'll be credible. And that gave me the catalyst to go, yeah, I could do this. And, and there was another there was another few early pioneers. Annette Simmons wrote The Story Factor. Laurie Silverman also wrote a book on storytelling, Wake Me Up When the Data's Over. So there was sort of already three books around storytelling in business. And then I just thought, yep, let's do this. I absolutely love that. And it's interesting how, and for me, that's how Dale Carnegie was. I went to his institute here in Atlanta, went through his program. But it's really like the first leadership book that or leadership, anything that I even opened my mind to is in my early 20s. And it really shifted the dynamic where I still talk. I literally on my desk here have 
Dale Carnegie's golden book about like all of his irrefutable laws of leadership that he really focuses on. Has there been a favorite author of yours over the years that you've really kept up with in that space besides yourself? Obviously, you're the best one out there, but <laughs> is there one that you've tracked along the ways where now has it shifted into like audible books, podcasts, getting that voice out there? Is there somebody you've really followed? Yeah, look, there's probably not one particular author I've followed. I do love the work from Dan and Chip Heath, and one of the books, their Made to Stick book, is a book that I've read several times. And I think, first of all, if I read a business book, completely read it. That's a good sign because I very rarely do, but to read it several times. So Dan and Chip Heath is a book I read, but I sort of vary it now where it's, you know, almost like there could be books on how you influence people. And so storytelling is about influencing. So, you know, I read their books and how you can communicate more effectively. So I read it. I read a variety of books. I, I should say I listen to a variety of books these days because, yeah, I'm a big fan of the audio books so I can do that while I run and walk the dog. I'm the same way. I, I love throwing in an audible and that's really how I ingest books these days. And I know that learning and that aspect of things is very vital for us. And I'm, I'm curious with communication being that big focus and storytelling, as you've worked with leaders over the years, have you noticed like blind spots in leaders that they feel like they don't need something. I know you said you were laughed at when you were talking about storytelling from the get-go. Over the years, have you seen like one particular blind spot that stands out to you of like, this is where leaders are kind of failing to recognize the importance here? Yeah, look, Zach, as I just say, that one of the things I love, I love, love, love about my job is that when I get in front of, you know, I'll go into a company and I'll, I might even train like their, you know, senior executive leadership team or their top, you know, few hundred leaders and the blind spot is that they've never, ever thought of sharing a personal story to, like, communicate a company value, for example. And this light bulb, so I take them through the process of not only teaching them how to do it, but they then share a story so they get to experience it, which is the most important thing. And afterwards when they say, it never occurred to me ever to share a personal story in business. And, you know, and they're, you know, they could be 40, 50, 60 year old, it worked all their career. So that's one blind spot. That's one blind spot that never actually even thought about it. The other blind spot, the beautiful the beautiful blind spot, and this is happens when they get to experience it, is they sometimes they know, they go, yeah, I can see why sharing stories is important and, and they sort of understand logically why that would work. But when I get them to share their stories, I get them into small groups and share their stories with their peers under the framework I've just taught them. And I always, when they come back, I go, so tell me what you liked about that. And without hesitation, they will go, I feel a stronger connection, a closer relationship with the people that I just shared, that we shared stories with. And that, that sometimes is the light bulb moment because Yes, you're sharing stories to communicate your message more effectively, but every time you share a personal story, it creates a connection between you and the audience. And whether that is your team, whether it's your clients, whether it's other key stakeholders, that is like, and that's just the added benefit of storytelling. And that to me is like when that's a blind spot where they never realize the power of that it can strengthen relationships. And there's a huge amount of science that shows that, you know, when we, as humans, when we hear stories, we not only connect with the stories, but we connect with the storyteller. And there's all this massive science behind that by done by 
neuroscience, people are a lot smarter than you and me, Zach. So um, like the science is there. So those two realizations is when they've experienced that, that's when they're going to go, right, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to try it. I absolutely love that because I think it's crucial for people to recognize this, right? And I think obviously, like you said, these days it is much more of a hot topic conversation piece where store brand storytelling is becoming more of a thing and getting more engaged employees and customers and understanding like the power of storytelling in the business. It's a lot of people call it like the branding of the business, right? Where you have to tell that journey for people to have that buy-in. And we're talking a lot about that overall voice. Have you seen the buy-in inside the organization increase, outside the organization, like buy-in into the brand? Where do you see the biggest value for the leader as they start focusing on this? Yeah, so Zach, the last 17 years, I have been focusing in training leaders and they're mainly using it internally. So this is, and I am seeing a shift, but they've been using it internally. So for example, we need to share stories to really get our people connected and engaged to our company values. For example, that's a typical scenario where I would come into a company or we've got a brand new strategy and purpose and vision and how do we communicate that predominantly internally. So that's where it has been predominantly used. And I think that's perhaps a safe way to start it as an individual, use it internally, use it with your team, any induction program, whether it's a really formal induction program or it's just you in, you know, onboarding people, any onboarding program, whether it's formal or just you, should be full of stories. It's like the really good onboarding programs are stories. So that's how you use it internally to, you know, onboarding, drive change, get people connected, engaged to your strategy. But what I started to notice over the years, that is when leaders would learn this for their team and they had a sale, they had an external facing role. So they perhaps they, you know, had a sales role, they would be going, we could absolutely use this in sales. I went, absolutely, because storytelling is about communicating and influencing. So whether you're leading your team or whether you're pitching for work or whether you're strengthening the relationship with your clients to get more work. It's actually a really valuable skill. So my first six books, like some of the ones you've mentioned, Real Communication Stories for Work, have all been for people. How we sort of use this as an individual. The latest book, Magnetic Stories, Connect with Customers and Engage Employees with Brand Storytelling, was the first book I've written with very much that external focus because what I've noticed over the last few years, people talking about this concept of brand storytelling and There is so many times I can only scream in my head and say, that is not a brand story. Oh, my God, that is you're doing it wrong. Or why aren't you sharing that story? Because it's such an amazing story. And people go, oh, no, no one would be interested. We just share it internally. That's when I think, oh, I didn't think I needed to write another book, but I do. And so that was how Magnetic Stories came about. I love that you're seeing those gaps in understanding because I think it's one of those, there is a lot of misunderstanding attached to brand storytelling, business storytelling, storytelling as a whole, because a lot of people don't necessarily want to get their voice out there. Maybe there's like a limiting belief. What's the hesitancy there? Is it that they're nervous to really tell the the real nitty gritty stuff? Yeah, it is. So I'll just like, I'll just give you a couple of examples. And and maybe this was almost, I was thinking of writing the book, but this was the real catalyst for me to go, oh, I've got to start 
educating people around the power of this is I was at a, an event where I was speaking. So I was the keynote speaker and we were having drinks afterwards. So I was mingling and I, I was talking to this woman and just, you know, the general, so what do you do? And she told me that she runs a couple of childcare centres. And I went, oh, how did you get into that? And then she said, well, I used to be a dentist. And I was like, oh, there's a big career shift. And she told me about her and her husband had tried to get pregnant for like years and years and years and eventually they did and they had a son and she was saying that when she was looking for childcare centres to put her son, I think his name was Jimmy, she couldn't find any that he would love and every time she went into a childcare centre, she would go, Jimmy wouldn't love this and I want a place that he would love and so she decided to buy one and every, she goes, and now she's got several and she goes, every single decision we make in what we do with the childcare center is based on would Jimmy love this? And I just looked at her and I said, please tell me that story's on your website. And she went, oh, no, 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 no. We sh- we talk about it internally, but I would never talk about it externally because I don't think it's, you know, relevant externally. And Zach, could you imagine if you were looking for a childcare center and you just saw that story, you would just go sign me up. You'd just sign me up. So, pe- so that, so To answer your question, people aren't seeing the power of these stories. And so there's a reluctance to put it out there. And it could sometimes it takes courage. It takes courage. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just a realization to say, hey, that's really powerful. I had another person I interviewed for the book who had this, his company was destroyed in the Ash Wednesday bushfires in Australia like 15 years ago. And he got all this funding to rebuild. So he read, he built this wine company, but he donates 50% of the profits to charities because he said he wouldn't have been able to do it without, you know, the charity that he received. And his company's grown. And so he got to the point where he stopped telling his story because he thought the company's bigger than me and no one would be, no one's interested in that now. And he got a couple of investors. And he, he said to me when I spoke to him about the book, he goes, These investors who are a hell of a lot smarter than me and know marketing better than me said, You are not stop telling your story. You have to keep telling your story because that is what people resonate with. So, yeah, there's this this reluctance to go, well, I either won't tell it or I'll stop telling it at a certain point. And I want to highlight one thing that you provide outside of that because a lot of it, yes, there's the reluctance, there's the limiting beliefs, maybe just the fear of being vulnerable. All those aspects play into it. But I know you offer something called the Seven Day Storytelling Starter Kit, where it's a framework that helps start crafting that. And I think a lot of people might hesitate because it seems like a big venture to start crafting the story and start actually telling their journey. But you offer that program. Can you tell us a little bit about that and like what the end result is if somebody goes through it? Yeah, look, it's available from my website. It's a seven-day storytelling starter kit. It's free. And it's literally what you'll get from me is an email containing a short video, like a two to three-minute video. You'll get it for seven days. And it just helps you start thinking about where you could share stories because you're right, Zach. People go, oh, I don't have any stories or where could I share them or how could I do it? So like, it's not a full on training thing, but it will get you, it'll get you started. (laughs) Hence the name of the starter kit. So it will just help you start thinking about where the stories you have and where you could share them in business and, you know, the impacts you could get from that because, yeah, it's once you've done it and once you've done it well and you, you see the result, you'll keep doing it. Yeah. I think that's huge in providing that 
boost to somebody to be able to start telling that is so impactful. And it goes across so many different segments of business because you start doing that and even just relating it to the entrepreneur and you're doing it right now, right? You're spreading your message, you're sharing your voice attached to different things. But a lot of that goes into, and you've done a phenomenal job of it, telling stories of your experiences so that people understand like it's not just, oh, I have this awesome MBA and I studied at Harvard and you did all these amazing things, which are incredible, but that might not necessarily be relatable. So by telling your story and talking about your journey, the relatability factor helps tremendously across pretty much everything you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It's, you know, going to Harvard, doing MBA, it's not even a story. They're just, it's your resume. And most of the time it's boring and people think you're bragging. So don't do it. And I think with entrepreneurs, sometimes when they talk about their story, they'd say it in a timeline. They almost go, well, you know, I worked for this company for 20 years and I did this and I saw the opportunity and I went out on my own and I was like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. I would say, why are you passionate about what you do? Like, why are you passionate? And I can guarantee you there's a story. It was like, you know, someone might be running a business on sustainability, for example. And I go, well, you know, why is sustainability important? And once you get down, it's probably something, it's probably when they grew up, probably growing up. You know, like growing up, we grew up through the water drought and, you know, my dad always made us only have one minute showers or so there'll be a reason why they're passionate about something. So those stories, like find those stories and share those stories because that that they're more relatable. And then, yeah, yeah, the, and, you know, I've always been passionate about this and, you know, you might drop in, you've had a few years experience in there, but all that CV type stuff that you put on your CV, No one really cares about it. I love that you highlight that because they really don't. And it's funny. I mean, obviously, Harvard stands out, but a lot of people talk about that different Ivy League aspect, and it stands out among others. But for the majority of us, degrees a degree is a degree. Nobody asks, what was your GPA? What school did you go to? Unless it was one of the higher end ones. And a lot of people don't necessarily care about that. They want to know what you learned during your MBA, which is the biggest question I've gotten with mine is like, it was an MBA, but what'd you actually learn? And that's the story. You start talking about the journey of going through the schooling and you just apply that to different aspects of business and everything else you're doing. People are curious about that stuff. It's like, well, yeah, that's cool. You went through that, but what'd you get out of it? What's the experience? What did it teach you? And that's where I feel like the the storytelling aspect comes in. It's like, well, that's a life lesson that people can take. And that's when they start in the entrepreneurship world, in the corporate world, they start getting that buy-in. They start getting that maybe sales, maybe interaction, maybe retention, whatever that leader is looking for. That's where they start like, oh, this person isn't just a robot. This person actually has experienced things that I've experienced. Yeah. And those things cool. what I what I learned, you know, so you could say one of the key things I learned when I was at Harvard, like you've just dropped in, you've been to Harvard as a little, just as a little drop, but talk about what you've learned and also what you've learned. And when you can show some vulnerability, like when you've stuffed up or when you've done something wrong and you've learned from that, they're the really powerful ones. They're the really powerful stories because, like you said, they show you're not a robot. They show you're human. And you could be sitting there as a leader or as an entrepreneur going, yeah, yeah, no, I'm down to earth. You know, people can approach me. But if you've got that leadership role, if there's hierarchy involved, it doesn't sort of matter how cool you think you are as a leader. There's hierarchy involved. So it's just there. And so you you do need to share stories 
of vulnerability that will make you, you know, really approachable and really human as a leader, whether it's a leader of your small business or a, you know, large organization. I think that's amazing and impactful. And Gabriel, I'm curious, obviously you're doing a lot um, with your life. You've been a student all across your journey, but I'm really curious, what is it? What is the legacy you're wanting to leave on the world with the books, the coming on podcasts, the work you're doing? What's that legacy you're wanting to leave on the world? It's a really good question, Zach. And I think I've almost yesterday, yesterday would sort of captures what I want to do is I got this LinkedIn message from a person that I've never met. And she just said, I don't normally approach people I don't know, but she literally just said, I read your book about three years ago. I've subscribed to your newsletter. Normally your newsletter is the only one I read every week and not only read it, but learn from it. And she's told me that she's taken some of the learnings that I've given her, the Brown story around being real and authentic leadership. She leads a team she took their employee engagement from 21% to 80%. And and it was funny, I read that email and then I had to quickly leave and I jumped in the car. And when I jumped in the car, the Diana Ross song was on Chain Reaction. And I thought, that's my legacy. All I want to do is change the way a person leads and communicates because what they can then do is have an impact for every single person that works for them for the rest of their life. So it's almost like through my books, through my writing, through my training, I can open up an insights for a leader. But if that then changes the way they lead forever for the better, imagine the impact on every single person that works for them. And that's my legacy. I can only reach a certain amount of people, but if they can then reach thousands of people. That is the legacy I would love to leave with my books and my training. I mean, that's incredible. Anytime you get that shout out from somebody you don't know, because they've been touched by your work is just, it's an amazing piece of exactly why we do it. And you're well on your journey. And I, I love that you're leaving that amazing legacy. And I want to give the audience an opportunity. What's the best way for them to find your books, find your content, reach out, connect with you, just learn more about you? Yeah, so I've clearly LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, but on my website, gabrieldolan.com. So that's when you can find the seven-day starter kit. But there's a lot of, that, you know, all my books are on there, white papers, you know, a lot of free stuff on there. But And also, you know, any of my books are available on all the usual channels, you know, Amazon everywhere and in audio as well. Not that it's my voice. It's not my voice. My uh, publishers told me I don't have a good voice for audio books, but you know, I think the next book I'm going to write, I'm going to break the mold and go, no way, I'm going to do it myself. I say go for it. Sounds amazing. <laughs> and I definitely encourage everybody to reach out, learn more, get some of this amazing content. And of course, come back this Friday for Tactical Friday as we unpack just a smidge more about storytelling with Gabriel and get in that tactical mindset. Gabriel, I appreciate your time and all the wisdom you've brought to us today. Thanks, Zach. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.